Hey, everybody. I'm actually recording this March 12th, 2022. Furthest ahead of time I've ever gotten a podcast, audio, anything done uh, ahead of time. So yeah, by the time I'll have to re-listen to this when it comes out because I have no idea what it was anymore. But uh, this is the end of the episode 105 live stream we did, the live Q&A with Jeff, Lee's former student. Um, we went for two hours and 40 minutes of audio to edit. So it's been a, it's been a ride, but it's finally done, uh, uploaded ahead of time. And, uh, yeah, hopefully this lands well way off in the future of May, I believe this is going to be released. So, um, enjoy the bonus clip. Three, two, one. Okay. I can continue talking. I just, I, right. I meant to put a break l- earlier, but I just, it's hard to do it. And then I go to edit and there's no break and it just drives me nuts. Yeah. I have not, I, I have not looked at the chat at all. So yeah. uh, 13. Okay. Still in. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. Tyler. So the first thing that pops up below. So I have a live chat. Remember to guard your private, whatever, whatever. Tyler, this is great. Jeff, you're doing awesome. Yeah. This is awesome. I'm so glad Jeff is here for this. Oh, I love being on this. This is awesome. My wife said, "Quit um, touch Adam, my face, though." But <laughs> well, at least your wife is interested. Mike couldn't give a shit less what I'm doing right now. She doesn't even know I'm home. <laughs> um, is hiding in the basement. Yeah, I'm hiding in the basement. My favorite place, right by right by all the alcohol. Um. <laughs> Adam P, little off topic, but with a mechanical background working on cars, can you use that to your advantage for student pilot training? Um, Carburetors. <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty. If you have them, in my opinion, if you have a mechanical mind, and like Tyler has spoken to, having the the 3D, if you haven't listened to our um, that in-between episode, well, Rob walked away, didn't even notice. Um <laughs> Speaking of my wife not noticing, I didn't know notice Rob walked away. And you can't see um, the left hand part of the drawer anymore, can you? Oh wow, that's <laughs> subtle. I'm glad you picked up on that. <laughs> <laughs> What's in there? Um, if you listen to the our transition to Rotorcraft episode, you hear about Tyler talk about kind of that that 3D mentality. Like professionally speaking. He his mind is immersed in that three D a two D space, but he visualizes it three dimensionally, and he feels as though that has tran- helped him transition to some of the the rotorcraft stuff that is visual. I mean, we talk about chair flying, and I mean it's all the same stuff. It's how deep can you go into this visualizing and chair flying? How deep can you go? And I was kind of talking about that earlier about like how focused you can be that some of the other things like breathing can be a trouble. Like honestly, I like I'm not bullshitting anybody. Like I've thought so intently on something I yeah, I had to think to breathe, basically. And and I don't know maybe that's not normal. I don't know. But um, I think it depends how mechanic, if you have a mechanical mind, like just like, like Tyler's talking about having that 3D mind, if you have that mechanical mind, I think it can certainly help, you know, but it's aircraft systems and most of the stuff is based on like 1930s, 1940s technology 
with most of these common trainers. So there should be nothing that really throws you for a loop. You get into something very complex, you know, in like airliners, transport category, jets, obviously things get more, you know, you can read a schematic better. Like there's symbols on an electrics, electric system schematic. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. I have circuit breakers and buttons to push. And I have, most new age um, transport category plans have what's called a QRH, Quick Reference Handbook. And so you'll have typically a digital screen. Most people, I think, with the G1000 or any of the G series avionics, will have what's called an ICAS, Engine Instruments and Crew Alerting System. They'll have that, or a crew, like older stuff would have it, like what's called a crew warning panel, which is kind of the same. It's pretty typical. I don't even know. Like if you have like glare shield lights that'll light up and you can press the button or it'll say, oh, low oil pressure or, uh, you know, low voltage, those things like that. That is, that is kind of an archaic maybe version or or maybe it's exactly what I'm describing, a crew warning panel, CWP. But nowadays with glass cockpits, glass panels, we have what's called a ICAS, engine instruments and crew alerting system. Or maybe it's engine indication. I don't know. doesn't matter. ICAS. E-I-C-A-S. And so it'll pop up messages. You know, aux hide low, uh, left gen off, or left gen fault, or all these different things. Left generator fault is what that would mean. And what you would do if you, you're you're just humming along at, you know, 30,000 feet, and one of these things pops up, it would be like a... Uh, and so we have oral warnings as well. Um, like one ding would typically symbolize a amber caution message and a ding 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 would be a well okay i don't even know why i did how'd that, that it's not even how'd that go again sounds like you sure it's ding, not ding ding or is it ding 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 <laughs> it could be could be it could be that one jeff is yeah. it ding dong um <laughs> no no ding definitely a ding 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 okay definitely one of those definitely i don't want everybody to be confused <laughs> if everybody's clear okay it'd be a, a single chime would be a, and that's how it's described in all the manuals. Single chime would be a master warning. Triple chime would be a master, or I'm sorry. Single chime would be master caution. Triple ding. chime, master warning. Ding, Red ding, message ding. versus amber message. And that'll pop up on the ICAS, and you'll see what those are. And then it will tell you exactly what it is. You go to your quick reference handbook. You go to that tab, and you know it's red. It's red tabs, yellow tabs. You go to it's coded. It all works together. It's a yellow message or an amber message. You go to an amber tab, and you go to your glossary. You can find out what it is. Go right to it. It'll give you your you know few steps or however many steps it is. Most times, it's not more than a few items few things you can do and then at the end land as soon as practical land as soon as possible it's really simple even an idiot like me who doesn't know systems can get make fly these airplanes safely and that's one of the the philosophies of the faa uh in the you know post you know to early 2000s is we need to give pilots and you you guys if you were to do like a look back on all the episodes you would see that I'm 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 in I'm congruent with what the FAA has been saying. We need to give dumb pilots one or two or three things they can do and have a high success rate in completing these items. And if we give them a long uh drawn out 
systematic. Now, I, I guess I don't want to say systematic because that would undermine my the concept here. But a long, drawn out process that would give them the absolute highest safety margin. They're going to mess it up in the middle somewhere. They will undermine the safety margin that this process is designed to to enhance. Okay, we're just dumb pilots with with real lives with other stuff going on with not optimal reaction times not optimal knowledge uh whatever they want to give you one or two or three items that give you a high probability of a specific outcome which may not have the highest safety margin but they want to give you repeatability consistency of outcome and that's kind of the difference like it, what we do doesn't necessarily mean it's got the highest safety margin, but what it does have is the highest amount of, obviously there's a high safety margin, but not the absolute highest. They're not worried about that last maybe 5% of, of margin of safety. They want to get you one, two, or three steps to give you a 70, 80% margin, if that makes any sense. So I don't, shit, I don't even know why I went down that road, but yeah, mechanical, Understanding mechanical, that can be really, really good, but um, there's so much little. And I imagine as time goes on, there will be less emphasis on systems knowledge. Maybe. I think so. I think we're going to drive that way. I think we're going to drive that way. You know, maybe depending on different, like, you know, backgrounds, you know, maybe um, uh, foreign, like air carriers, they may really harp on systems knowledge, but they can't fly the damn airplane. So what would you rather? Have? What would you rather have? Stick and rudder skills or systems? So, knowledge? so just what you did that happen in San Francisco? Um, who was that? Asia? Asiana. Yeah, wasn't their thing having to do with stick and rudder? They were so focused on that one item that they didn't yep. use their stick and rudder skills. They don't have any. Most of these. So you got to think from a terms of a uh, profit and whatever. And this is really splitting hairs. But if you take Obviously, the number of times the number of flights, but when you hand fly, you're not perfect. Obviously, the autopilot will do a better job. It will input just as much aileron and just as much uh, elevator to do what is desired of it. It will do that and no, no more, no less. So it is the most. It will fly a more efficient profile than you will hand flying. And so, a lot of uh, foreign air carriers. That is kind of their policy. You get through whatever your minimum altitude, uh, minimum autopilot altitudes are for, you know, climb out and descent, and you're going to let it do it. You're going to let it do it as soon as possible. And it seems to be, and I, I, I somewhat used to know the statistics, but American air carriers hand fly more and there were specific ones they like they like okay they did this audit and this air carrier did more hand flying than this like you know for example an american air carrier did more hand flying than this other american air carrier united states uh air carrier um so they they broke it down like that and i don't remember anything but i used to have kind of a grasp on kind of how the hierarchy was and we exceeded the least the 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 american or united states air carrier domestic air carrier that hand flew the least still hand flew hand flew the airplane meaning no autopilot more than all the other foreign air carriers 
combined. That is just and I, well, I don't want to. Well, I don't know about combined. You know what I mean? Because it's not I, okay. It's not so quite, then it would be the you know we our least flew more than their whatever the highest one a higher yep. percentage of the time. Okay, yeah. I got you. The ne- the highest foreign air carrier was still less than our lowest hand flying okay. least percentage of time. I think everybody knows what I'm saying. Yep. I get it now. That makes yep. sense. Yeah. Um, that's just how we are. You know, we're like cowboys. You know, USA, know. USA. That's right. Yeah, keep the, that's right. Keep this under two hours. Um, so we got five more minutes. What? Um, I'm just gonna look through the chat real quick here. Yeah, look through the chat. You come up with something to talk about, Rob. Electric motors. I think it's gonna be, you know, Eric's pointing out less, less likely for what? systems knowledge. That's true. All you got to know is voltage. Voltage and maybe RPM, but... Tyler says that was a great monologue, though. So good job. Thank you, Tyler. Good I appreciate it. And he's already off. But oh, Tyler left? It says see ya. C-Y-A. Oh. Or cover your ass. Never mind. Disregard. Yeah. <laughs> or see ya. Could, be either, could go either way. I don't know. I don't know. He's still here. He just said nope. Nope. Yeah. Can't can't get rid of him. I didn't think. I yeah. He was in till the end. He just yeah. He re-upped his drinks. You know. He he's a lawyer, right? <sighs> no, no. It's we're confusing him. No. I don't want to. I don't want to dox him. But that's actually pretty interesting what he does. Um. Uh-huh. Oh God, there's so much. Are you going through the? Are you going through the chat? I don't have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you don't have the chat, Lee? I I, I do, but I, I feel like it's too distracting. It's better if you cherry pick and we can talk. Well, yeah, we need, Scott. we need Scott. It is true. You take your, your eyes off. Yeah. It is hard to do both. I can't do it. And Rob has two screens. I mean, he's got... Can't I can't. Yeah, yeah I'm also mo- using those to monitor so, make sure we're all recording. Rob, here's a question. We noticed the last time you disappeared, right? What else disappeared while you disappeared? What do you mean? Where in is your, your room. In your room. Look at look at the the IKEA. Anything about that? Yeah, the IKEA. Now we can no longer see the left side of the drawer. What? <laughs> I still I still see the whole thing. We don't. Oh we no, we only no, see the right we side. We see the right side. What are you guys talking about? On your drawer. You remember we asked about. What's in the left-hand drawer? <laughs> now we can't see. You disappeared and it disappeared. Oh, I don't know. That's a that's an elusive drawer you guys keep accusing me of. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. To do a uh, to do a breakdown. You, you ought to bring that yeah. bring that dresser with you when you come to uh, in the summer. <laughs> now you, now you're making All me right. curious. What's actually in it? I'm gonna pry it open. <laughs> Do it, yeah. Oh, do it live. Oh no, it's off camera though. Oh, it's, it's off, off camera. Doesn't it. matter. Yes, it's off camera. Doesn't didn't happen. Didn't happen. Wrong drawer. Wrong. Oh god. Oh, Rob uh, doesn't know his left from right. The other one, Rob. All right. He took his headset off. Yeah, oh, yeah. He doesn't know anything. All right. I guess I'm going to go through this chat. Make sure I'm. Well, I'm sure we've missed anything. I don't know where to start. Mechanical back. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, mechanical. Yeah, it can help. It can help. It, anything that frees up hard drive space 
for learning the other stuff that you don't have devote attention to that a lot of us still do have to devote attention to is uh, is uh, a win. Anybody need a razor knife? <laughs> Whoa. What's oh up, Dex- Dexter? Dexter's from Florida, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. He was down by Miami, I yeah. think. Yeah. Uh, it was Miami. So anyway, uh, Adam P., what are your guys' opinion with the possibility of airplanes moving to full electric propulsion in the coming decades? Um, don't they already have them? They do. Uh, I think it comes down to weight, and yeah, weight is one of the issues. And then how long can you fly? I think it'd be more like a percentage. I just think the percentages will slowly change over time. Like right now, it's like less than 1%. Maybe by the end, you know, 20 years from now, maybe it'll be 25% of airplanes will be electric or something. Maybe. I don't know. Hmm. uh, Who knows? I I, I just think it comes down, I don't know, maybe as, do you, do you get away with one as a trainer to teach like flying the pattern because you only have, let's say you only have an hour charge on a, a plane. Would it be cheaper to do that? To take people up and, you know, I don't know. I think it just comes down to how long that, that battery will last and how far could you go? I mean, it's the same thing with electric cars. A lot of people get away. They don't want to drive an electric car because they're afraid they're going to, you know, run out of juice somewhere. And now you put that in the air and you run out of juice. Where do you have a glider? I, I can see it maybe being used in pattern training, but other than long distance for now, I don't think so. Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if it happens in our lifetimes, but that's I don't yeah. see it being like right right around the corner. Yeah, but uh, look at how s- airplanes last so much longer than like vehicles, which makes the percentage of aircraft out there right now very old most most planes you see aren't new like if you sit at an airport it's that's true most of the airplanes you see are not built in the last 10 years unless it's like vero beach and you're looking at the piper factory or something so it's once the technology becomes viable which i think is going to be a while for airplanes you're still going to have a a huge lag until you like start seeing them pop up all 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 the places. Like how long has Cirrus been around before they like start popping up all over the place where you'd like see them regularly. It was a while compared to when they were like started. Right. Yeah. So I remember like Lee's, what, Lee's reading or he's, or he's two, in a I'm, I'm reading. I'm reading. You guys just, I, yeah, I, do your thing. I thought you were chair flying again and you got in the zone. Yeah, breathe, the zone. Lee, breathe, breathe. I got to breathe. Did I start turning blue again? Did I start turning blue again? Breathe, Lee, breathe. All right. I, laugh, um, <laughs> I just noticed. We, so, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, I mean, yeah, we have a couple AMPs. Um, I have a guy I fly with at work. He's also an AMP, big Super Cub guy. He will come on eventually. Um,. <laughs> He'd be a great resource because like we can talk like like this like we're talking with Jeff like he's just got a plethora of knowledge, a wide knowledge base. Um, it, I he'd be he'd be he'd be good. Um, we'll get him on sometime. He's an AMP. Um, and then I have another buddy. He's an AMP. He works on uh well and uh, Rob knows him too. Um, 
works on uh, warbirds and stuff. So, I mean, he's got a totally different knowledge base, but been very, very interested in aviation for forever. Went and got his A&P. Yeah. And, uh, let's get another Tyler on. Get a, That's, we, we don't have, a, that, we well, don't have yeah. enough Tylers in the audience. And the, uh, well, we just list. have, well, yeah, I guess he's West coast time with, um, <laughs> with the other Tyler. So have like a Tyler Tuesday or Tyler Thursday. Yeah. Just... Oh God. Don't, I wish you hadn't said that. <laughs> we <laughs> <all eat> tacos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Only tacos on Tuesdays. Yeah. No, we'll have to work on that. We can get, definitely get an AMP on and the, I'm sure many arguments will ensue. Um, I'm all about the battery stuff. I think if anybody hasn't heard of it, look into lithium iron, not ion, I-R-O-N, lithium iron batteries. They're a small fraction of the weight for what seems to be the same output in all the other specifications of a traditional battery but a fraction of the weight i'm talking like a normal car battery that weighs two pounds or an airplane battery that weighs two pounds what normally would weigh 30 pounds as this and of course there's you know um what we worry about you know thermal runaway when you overcharge any of these batteries you have to have like internal circuitry to regulate like the recharge of these batteries, if they've been deep cycle, like depleted, like we have like in the Lear, for example, I don't know of any other, uh, like we didn't worry about this in any of the airliners, but if you get it below so many volts on the battery, you can't recharge it. Like with an onboard aircraft generator, you have to take it out of the airplane and bench charge it up above a certain voltage and then put it back in the airplane. It's crazy. It's like, although you can, deplete it you could hook up a gpu or start an apu start a generator on the engine you don't want it to charge that because in the airplane because you worry about thermal runaway which is the uncontrolled temperature increase obviously and these things are crazy lithium ion batteries when they start going i mean it is insane we have we have on some of the airplanes we have special bags that you put them in uh to kind of contain it but they're very difficult to fight the fire that they create um, because they just kind of keep propagating um, the heat. And so that's something that we worry about with, with battery technology and obviously in an aviation application, that's a huge consideration. Once that all catches up um, and we can reduce, increase the runtime. So if, if battery capacity increases a little bit and motor, electric motor efficiency increases a little bit, those two things working together really start to expand your range on these airplanes or these aircraft, I should say. And now, obviously, the other thing fighting that more than anything right now, well, in my opinion, is the weight. Because if you can offload the weight, that means you can increase the speed. Or, you know, with the utility of the airplane in general, you can carry more weight or you can go faster. Take your pick. What do you want to do with it? So if we have all these things working in combination, you're really advancing the 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 actual practical use of that aircraft. Um, and it will happen. It's just it's just going to take time. But the the drawbacks or the the advantages versus the drawbacks are way in favor of the advantages. I mean, obviously you're talking like Jetsons type shit, right? You know, you have these 
ducted uh ducted fans and um um quadcopter all this crazy shit all the drones type plant drone type planforms um it's it's really exciting it's really exciting but they have some obstacles to overcome all right yes oh i'm sorry like, like i said i i really think there's i think using them for trainers because you're up for an hour, I think that would be depending on the cost. I think they would be very good for that. So I don't know. That's just me. Sorry, I'm not as long as Lee on these answers, but well, I suck. I mean, remember no, I have to talk good. through my. Yeah, no, it's the podcast would be a lot shorter if Lee wasn't a part of it. <laughs> um, it'd be like 15 minute episodes. <laughs> With that being said. We're way over, we're not way over, but like two hours, seven minutes here. So we got to shut this this thing down. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Um, it's been fun. It's been real. Yes. It's yes, been real fun. real fun. Yeah. Um, let me try to do this awkward thing where we try to shut this down while we're still live. We all kind of just sit here staring at you all. And then- the only thing I want to say is, Eric, the prop tip noise is going to be the majority of the noise pollution, not the sound of the motor oh you gotta get those those silent props the military technology well, how do you do that definitely bleed over will eventually bleed over they can't contain it they can't contain it foreverly Stealth. military has that cl- you can minim you can minimize it you can minimize it but there's always gonna be some so it's gonna sound like a weird bee above your property um anyway <laughs> i think i fixed about thanks guys thanks for thanks. sticking around yes, thank That's you the favorite part Uh, so okay while you're doing that Ron, you can cut it wherever you want well I guess it's live nobody cares so with with the ice (laughs) on the flaps I would just say if you can somewhat sort of recreate I am really interested to see if it's more about the actual fact you put a physical solid object wedged up in between the flap and the rest of the wing that stopped it from retracting. Well, let me ask this question. More so than the weight. What what if I were to do this? What if I would put the flaps down and I would put a guesstimate of what amount of weight was on those flaps and try to retract the flaps? Would that not, you know what I'm saying? Because if if – here's an easy one. If I put the flaps down and I had someone hold it and I put the flaps up and if they do not go up, would that not be the same as weight resistance? So you put them down and you put weight on it, and then you retracted them, right? To see where it receded, where it retracted to. Yes. Yeah, I'd be fine with all that. Okay, I will do that. Let's say I fly again. Fly. How many weight you're going to guesstimate? How many? How many pounds was on it? I guess if you can guesstimate that. Well, you saw the picture. You saw the picture. Yeah. Okay. So you know what? Assign Maybe a weight. To so that. I'm going to listen. I'm going to. In the pilot ground, I am going to put a picture of the frozen windsock that does exist, yep. that did exist, and a picture of the the ice that came off that flap, and we'll see if people can okay. guesstimate. Yes, we'll see. All right. Okay. Well, so while we're waiting for those guesstimates to roll in, okay, I am. V- Right now, okay. Right. Put you on the spot a little bit. No, nobody that's nobody right. hears it. But I us. failed to okay. I failed to cut us off, what? so we might as well just keep going. Yeah, <laughs> we'll keep working on it because eventually we're going to go somewhere 
that's done. I, sh- I, but- I shut the button down. This should not be going on. It's just still going. So, okay. We'll roll with it. I still got some drink left. Can you get... I'm out, so I'm pretty pissed. But Rob, <laughs> you and I need to talk a little bit when this is all done anyways, if you have the time. But anyways, and you can... Whatever. So how much would you guesstimate, Jeff? Ooh. How much weight do you think you had there? And Because remember... Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. 20 pounds. 20 pounds? You okay. don't think that was it. That was just a, a small, oh, yeah. no, small no, no. picture of it. Right, for sure. And so you had that presumably on both flaps or just one flap? They were on both Because flaps. typically on both flaps were that bad? Yeah. So you had a con- combined 40 pounds of weight. Because it was getting kicked up from the, f- the wheels, so it was just spreading across the I bottom. Know. Yep, I got gotcha. you. So that was 40, 40 pounds collectively across both flaps, stopping it from retracting. Okay. I can't say I, I would agree I would agree you're in in that range for sure. Okay. What's a couple pounds here and there? If like someone to chime and say, oh, it's 25, that's 35, even 35, whatever. So assign that. And so you will somewhat systematic or scientifically try to attach 20 25 pounds yes to the flap yes and while it's in the full down and at 40 degrees correct and try to bring it back up i mean it could be either way it could have been like you said some something when it was down like froze there that was my first thought but then i started thinking maybe it was weight i don't know i'll have to see it seems to me if you were to take four, 20 pounds or 40 collectively and attach it to the very trailing edge, it seems like the leverage there probably would stop it from retracting. Probably. But I think the more likely, since it's not, it was not displaced all at the very edge, you didn't have that arm 20 no, I, pounds on yeah, the, leading, I, on the I, trailing I, edge. I get what you're saying. It was spread out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it was spread out. So I have to think, and obviously spread out less towards the trailing edge. Although there's still a lot, the majority of it was right above and right behind, not even on the flap at all. The majority of it was probably still on the underside of the actual wing, would be my guess. No, because if you look look at the picture, you're going to see the ribbed... You're going to see. I can see the ribs of the flap. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But how much did you knock off right above the wheel? How much of that did you knock off? All I see on the ground is what came off the flap for the most part. Yeah. Off the flap. I want to see that. That was because when I, when I pushed it up, it slammed and it, it broke it loose. Yeah. So I'm saying I need a comparative piece to, that you need to chisel off the bottom of the wing for me to validate your statement that what was on the flap was thicker than what was on the bottom of the wing. Hmm. I don't know. Which is directly above and directly behind the wheel. Now, I know it's going to come up and you're, you have forward motion or wouldn't, the wheel wouldn't be turning. So that means it wouldn't be slinging. I, I get what you're so saying. So I understand now, that it came sure, back. Sure. Now I'm, I now I'm understanding. You're saying the majority of the liquid would be right behind the wheel and the further out it went would be less. For the most part, yes. yes. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. I, I think it may be marginally marginally less as it got towards the trailing edge of the flap, but I, I 
I mean, I've seen every, I've, I've seen this. I, I mean, I've never knocked it off. I've never had a flap retraction issue because of it. But I, I, I mean, I know it's been a hell of a year. I know you guys have been really busy. So it's possible you're doing more flying than I did. So, or you're flying through stuff that I didn't fly through. Very possible. So I, I just, I'm thinking to take a 20 pound weight and affix it to the trailing edge of the flap that might do that might that might be enough with an arm to suggest that you have an issue there yeah. i just I don't, so, I don't see it you gotta think how many gallons hold on how many gallons which is a volumetric how many gallons of water do you suppose is in that picture oh don't think about pounds yeah gallons at least 100 gallons are we oh, wait are we shit. talking are we talking milk jugs do I have to yeah, put, does yeah. that, since we're on this, do I have to put in milk jug? I'm going to guess each flap had at least three milk jugs worth of water. Okay. So, so how gallons. many gallons? Yeah. How many gallons? And so what, how much water is six, a gallon is, of? Is water six pounds? Eight. 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 So you're at 24. Okay. Which so I you're said very close very close. I said 20 to 20. You said 20. I said 20, 20 to 5. Right. Just for a little, not because I thought you're wrong. I thought 20 was probably good. No. So you're between 20 and 25. Sure. But I, so here was, I guess when I brought this up to you earlier, like last this week, I guess the point was this. Whenever you hear about freezing or ice on, on a plane, it's always, hey, I flew through precipitation. Let me put on my carb mm-hmm. heat. If it's carburetor, uh, let's look at our leading edge because it's going to change the airflow. But mm-hmm. it's never taught if you're driving through slush. Like that when that morning started out, yes. runways are frozen, completely frozen. We didn't fly for a little bit. Then when they started thawing out, no one ever, I mean, no one ever said anything. I never thought, hey, this is all going to accumulate underneath. There was no signs on yeah. the top of the front, you know, plane where you would look on the leading edge. And you taught me this. Hey, look, look right at the where the wing attaches. You're you're going to see the ice there form there first. That's what you taught me eleven years ago. If you're looking for ice, you're going to see it form there first on the, you know, I, what would that be called on the worst instructor ever. The wing root. Yeah, the ring root. That's where you're going to see the ice form, and then you're going to start singing out there. Nothing was like that. I wasn't flying through precipitation. It just never, I'm saying it just never dawned on me. So these are things I was bringing up about freezing. It never dawned on me after a freezing rain that a windsock could be frozen, look like wind was coming through it, you know, because it wasn't straight down. It was half mast pointing in the wrong, yeah. in the wrong direction. So those are just things. Just off topic, off topic things. Well, no, it's all pertinent. These are things. I mean, every the people listening. I don't even know who's still in the chat. But it's it's there's eleven, eleven people. They love us. Wow, it didn't even. No one's leaving. Maybe it's not Scott. Maybe Scott is not the reason people tune in. It's so tough because, like, I want to, I want to stay. I can't, I can't multitask with this shit. So, like, I want to stay engaged with you but i like what's going on there like i don't know it's my, whatever um yeah people don't think thanks, about it but it's thanks super josh here josh is here for it all boys thank you joshua all right thanks guys. josh yep yep <laughs> us too yes. i am i am thankful for this opportunity that rob can't figure out this technical issue because it gives me more time like i don't know just be 
I figured it out. I, Genuine I can or- kill it now. Uh, I just, I'm just, I don't want to kill it right now. But. Okay. All right. Okay. I think it's great that Jeff, you've had this experience because this is a, a, this is a layer, an element that I haven't experienced that Ryan may, may not have experienced. Rob, I don't assume that you've experienced it. No. And probably a lot of people haven't. So it's like, like you're exactly what you're saying, Jeff. We think of the context of icing, like, oh, rime ice, clear ice, mixed ice, whatever. That's a carb ice. That's about all you think about. And you're like, well, no, there's other shit going on here, too. You know, I think it's great. Yes. But now we're talking about like the the fallout maybe from that. And so you had an issue where your flaps couldn't fully retract. Now, we think about the flap concept and ice and slush in depth with with these airplanes that have low wing configuration with electric flaps and motors and like drive like uh that are gear driven things like that because you're stressing out all these electrical components and there's the things way internal that you can be stressing out and break at an inopportune moment all that shit so those are the things we think about when we think about ice like okay so you're taking off or you're going to taxi out and there's slush and snow on the ground. Well, when do you set your takeoff flaps? Well, you want to set them very close to your departure, like, yeah, the departure. Uh, when you're close to the end of the runway for departure, gotcha. to take off. I don't want to say departure end of the runway because in instrument terms, that is the opposite end where you should be hundreds of feet above the end of the runway. That's the departure end of the runway, but I don't want to confuse people. So when you're getting close to your takeoff, the end of the runway on your takeoff heading, God, I don't even know how to say it correctly. That's when you want to, you want to wait till the last minute before takeoff to put flaps in. So you have less opportunity to throw slush at the bottom of the wing at the flap and cause any of these potential issues. Likewise, when you land after landing on a slushy runway, you want to typically, if it's a mechanical interaction or like a direct connection, like like Jeff's talking about with like the Johnson bar type flaps and a and a uh, uh, an old Cessna like a 140. Well, that's high wing, anyways. All the Cessnas are high wing, um, or like a Piper. You press the button, bring the flaps down. That's not as big a deal. It's going to set where it's going to set. You're not going to damage anything really. Maybe somebody eats it you know, getting stepping on the flap, which they thought was locked in and it no longer was other than that minimal. But when we have electric flaps or the motor doesn't understand, it's not going to stop until it reaches a limit switch or something like that. Um, That can be an issue. So what we, what we is ingrained in us uh, flying transport category stuff with all these more complex uh, flight controls Um when you land on a slushy runway, you don't want to retract beyond 20 degrees or whatever your intermediate flap setting is. You don't want to retract beyond that in case there is slush uh, that's been flung up into like the, the well of where the flap would, would rest uh, all the way up. So here's a question. What now this happened, luckily this happened when it did, but what if this would have been with a student and I was doing a touch and go and it froze in the, you know what I'm saying? So now you think yeah. your flaps are retracted and actuality, you got it all dragged now. You know what I'm saying? But could, isn't this, 
isn't this a scenario? Isn't this kind of what you were saying? Like maybe it didn't. Maybe this is why you were indicating one twenty-five versus one forty. Isn't that what you were saying? Is because you didn't think it recessed all the way no, after it, your initial well, takeoff? That, that could be another possibility because I just didn't at the time. This all came after it happened. Like I didn't think about the ice being on the flaps. Okay, but why was why did my speed slow down? But yeah, it's it's true. Maybe they weren't. Maybe they were still in the takeoff position. You know, the first the first notch was in. You know, but when I put it down, it looked like it was down. Or I mean, up. But it was actually down one notch. That's that's another that's another true possibility. Maybe it already frozen it. I don't know. I didn't see it, but yeah. And I don't know, like you know, like what we say, like this is way over the top for GA stuff. But like this is a, such a rare instance that you're describing. But I, it kind of proves the point. So you don't like on the iCast, you know, we have all the digital in the G1000, I'm sure does it all and all the G series avionics does it as well. But like you have your flap settings and one of the, one of our call outs is like before takeoff, you know, uh, before takeoff flaps, verify eight degrees. If it's like, if you have if your high density altitude, you need anti-ice on, then would be a 20 degree flap takeoff. So flaps, verify a degree set and indicating then the other pilot says a degree set and indicating so like we say set like that's what the indication is in the cockpit flight deck whatever and then indicating is what it says in the eye cast because we can't see the wing you however in a light ga airplane a lot of people can see what it actually is this is way over the top seems way over the top until you have the scenario you're describing eight degrees is set with the bar is it indicating outside? Now, that doesn't really matter for the purpose of what we're talking about. Where it would matter is then on uh, maybe can you not deploy full flaps? What all is going on outside? So the same thing on the next landing. Man, you know, actually, you're not going to be doing it in cruise anyways. Yeah, maybe add a little deployed. I don't know. But that's something we do. Same thing with, with landing. Verify eight deg- uh, 40 degrees set indicating. Just like on takeoff, we need to make sure we have the right flap setting for takeoff. We need to make sure we have the right flap setting for landing. So verify uh, flaps eight flaps verify eight degrees set and indicating. Same thing with landing flaps verify forty degrees set and indicating. I don't know if that would be anything that would help catch anything, but there's a reason we say we don't just say oh flaps eight and then we set it and then don't look anywhere for any confirmation of anything but it's so rare like i've never had that issue no so like i said this is kind of like one of those learning moments like okay so for let's say for all purpose let's say for the purpose we're talking about so i put the flaps down right or flaps yeah flaps, 40 flat no i'm sorry the flaps up so i put the flaps up if you oh. were if you were instructing us when you put the flaps up you're looking to make sure that that handle, I mean, or are you looking out? I mean, I've never thought about looking out. Am I, was I wrong all these years or? I'm saying maybe that with, with the newfound knowledge that this amount of isocrule from slush. Well, I'm definitely, yeah, I'm definitely going to do that now if I'm ever in that situation, because I, that was a lesson I, you know, I learned kind of the hard way. I mean, nothing tragic came out of it, but. You know, when you're always when I'm always telling my students, make sure your flaps are up. What am I looking at? I'm looking to make sure that that bar is on the ground, you know? 
But now yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be looking out to make sure those flaps are actually up. You know, yeah, you do it when you're doing your run up. You're going, you're pulling your flaps, you're looking out. You know, hey, did my flaps do what they're supposed to do? I don't know. I think probably the issue where, and this is why we need to find, is probably doing that first takeoff of flaps 10 is probably what did it to you, would be my guess. Yeah. Because the issue wasn't from 40 to 25. It was from 40 or 25 to 10. That is where the issue is, is that that area in between. So you taking off out of zero, out of flap zero, that is what allowed that slush to get up in that, like whatever, that well, and stop it from fully retracting. It was only going to go to what your takeoff flap setting was. Now, if you need flaps 10 or flaps 25, you got to do what you got to do. And then as long as you assume we are... Um, we're going to almost unexplored territory, test pilot type shit. But if you if you know that you can get flaps forty for landing, your takeoff or your landing data is accurate. Your takeoff data is obviously accurate because you haven't frozen the flaps up yet. But as long as your takeoff data and your landing data are accurate, and you can achieve the flap settings to make that data accurate, I'd say keep doing what you're doing. But in these extreme circumstances, uh it seems like there can be some pretty extreme ambiguity, but it sounds like you got your takeoff flap setting. You got your landing flap setting in between there. There's just going to, I guess going to be issues at these extremes. You're going to get slush and shit up in there. That's going to stop it from retracting. Well, maybe that's just a little bit of a pastor brief. Hey, be careful. Just try to go from the wing to the step, skip the flap. And for some of these guys, they're so big, you don't really want them jumping on that flap anyways, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. You should, yeah. <laughs> so, like, maybe maybe that's a better brief thing, and then maybe you got to chip some off like you did, you know, ki- you know, kick it, whatever you got to do, chisel it out so that it does retract fully for your next. But if you're only ever going to flaps 10... It's different because people got to walk across this flap. That's where that's where kind of to me the biggest issue is. Think about it: if you're taking off flaps ten, you you're only getting ice. It's not going to inhibit your ability to get flaps ten, likely, and you can get flaps forty for landing. So you're good. But the pro the fact is, you need that flap tipic in normal circumstances for people to walk across to get to that step. And I'm sure people are probably saying, "Oh, well, it's Piper, it's stupid." Well, I guess in this case, it sounds like they are. But okay, um, to wrap this up, Stuart says again, Hawaii boy here must ask, "Who the hell flies in this kind of weather?" Scott is definitely right on this point. Um, just disclaimer: this is like heavy commercial Lake Erie Islands flying, not like training in the pattern type stuff. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. This is how many landings a day, uh, Jeff? Averaging about 30, you say you got? 36 in the winter. 36. Between how many different how many different airports? Ooh, let's see. Four. Yeah. Kelly's. Oh, that's my list. Yeah. Five? Five, including put poor Clinton? Yeah, five, sorry. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, I mean it's 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 un, it's crazy. It's not bush flying, but it's not like normal flying either. It's like this hybrid that like they're almost they're all paved, but they're all like relatively short. You're pretty much always at max gross takeoff weight, and you're doing a shitload of them. And when it's actually and whenever the weather's awesome. crazy is when business goes up. Yeah, it's actually awesome because it's always it's challenging. It's you don't yeah. It's just it's challenging. You can't get uh, complacent because it's always changing. You might have landed there 15 minutes ago. Come in, it's completely different. Winds changed on you. Mecha- like you said, mechanical. A lot of mechanical turbulence. You know. Mm-hmm. So yep. Keep you on your toes. Yeah, I mean it's it's I mean it's so fun and you I mean it's just like you just you you never stop. You know this flight's a passenger flight. This one's a freight flight and i mean it's like it's crazy so much fun i miss those days i miss those days yep. but yeah i mean it's 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 when because you got to think a lot of the business in this in the winter time when the lake freezes and the winds have to be right for the, there to be enough ice for ice fishing that becomes a big like a big form of the business is ice fishermen and so uh um Kind of like Rob said, the shittier the weather gets, by most yeah. people's oh, standards, yeah. the busier the busier you get. Yep. Okay. Um, Lake Erie Islands. We'll end it on that. I figured out the button to press now. Uh, thanks for press listening. It. We're two and a half hours. Thanks, uh, guys. Yep, Thank later. you.